been nearly a year and a half since the consensus audit guidelines were issued. And what's been the impact on government IT security since their release? The philosophy that underlies the consensus audit guidelines has taken hold. Focus on a subset of the threats and the, those that are the most prominent. I think that using automated tools as a primary means to help ensure that we're addressing those threat patterns and then providing reporting not on a you know once a year basis but sort of on a continuing basis to assess the ability of an organization to provide protection. I think those three principles are now pretty much baked in. So when you look at the latest FISMA guidance that's come out of OMB, if you look at what's happening on the Hill in the legislation uh, proposals, they sort of have those same philosophies. And that's really what was the basis of the consensus audit guidelines. And I won't say we were geniuses that we created all of this. We perhaps in the consensus audit guidelines were some of the first to really codify and put emphasis on those key principles. In terms of implementation, we now have a number of organizations that have embraced the consensus audit guidelines. Obviously, the, the most noteworthy has been the State Department and John Stroyford, the Chief Information Security Officer there, has really made remarkable progress Again, following those philosophies, using some tools and a dashboard and an additional emphasis area that, that he has done just a, a brilliant job, which is really reaching out to all of the State Department organizations in a dialogue that provides them grades scores translated into grades for each of their organization, you know, the IT configuration, and the ability to, through a web-based portal, to drill down to find out exactly what is contributing to lower grades and what needs to be fixed. And John's example has shown that in a period of months, he has made a dramatic improvement in the overall security of the State Department, and that effort is really now sort of being a model for a number of organizations, Justice Department, NASA, Army, and others are beginning to move in that same direction, the beginning of sort of a bow wave that says we can make some significant progress, in most cases leveraging the tools that we've already bought in the various agencies. It's just starting to focus them in a little different way. What State Department has shown as well is they focus on a subset. They didn't even initially address all of the 20 critical controls. They addressed the subset. Now they're expanding, so they're taking a larger number of the critical controls. They're going a little bit deeper into some of the control areas. What you find is you're actually starting to build something that is taking advantage of a foundation that's laid um, and then extending that. And so you are actually building a more and more secure infrastructure. Contrasted with in the past, my experience often was in the Air Force, we would do the same thing year after year after year. We'd produce a lot of reports, we'd do some analyses, but there was really no significant improvement year over year because a lot of it was manual, it was paper-based, and we weren't making meaningful long-term changes. We were just sort of what I've used as an analogy. We were sort of on a treadmill. 
just addressing individual issues. We fix them, but six months later, that same issue may be back, and it might be another year before we would catch it. Contrast with what State Department is doing and others, they now have automated tools, and the automated tools identify within hours if there's a configuration that is no longer compliance with the standard configuration or there's a new device that's been added to the network that's not been properly registered. Starting to allow you to, in a very rapid fashion, fix the anomalies while increasingly you're adding more and more securities. This progress is remarkable, and I think it sort of lays the foundation for really starting to make dramatic improvements in the security of our federal IT systems. You mentioned something about maybe not tackling all the guidelines at once, sort of like not building a massive system at once and doing things more incrementally. Can you address getting it right and starting the path toward getting all these uh, guidelines implemented? This area, Eric, that you raised the question has really been, I think, one of the fundamental areas that we've had discussions with the National Institutes of Standards and Technology, NIST, and to some extent OMB. The root issue is that many look at the guidance that NIST has provided in their publication 853, Special Pub 853, which identifies a comprehensive set of security controls. And many look at that as not a, a reference book, if you will, that you would go in and pick selected controls, but uh, do all of them. Uh, the issue that one finds is that organizations struggle to make any progress because it's literally impossible to do all of the controls at once. And so you end up doing bits and pieces of controls, and you're back into the situation that I described earlier, is you really never get anything firmly established such that you can, it's well managed and you can say, all right, we're done with this, we can move on to something else. The initial concept of the 20 critical controls was focus on a subset, and what I described in the State Department, they found is they needed to even find a smaller subset to get started. But what they're doing is as they're getting the subset established, and again, using automated tools, then it becomes a foundation on which you can build more rigorous and more expansive set of, of controls. That follows very well with the strategy that I described earlier of just picking an incremental capability, doing that, and then sort of evolving and growing from that into something that's more expansive. Getting feedback, getting lessons learned, rather than trying to take a big bang approach and, and not being able to get there. By dealing with a subset and succeeding with that, they feel good about themselves. They see something working, and then they can move on to the next subset of controls. Well, that's right, and, and that's where I described that I think John Stroyford and his team have really been brilliant in their approach to reaching out to the leadership in the various State Department organizations because what they did was they focused on a subset and they developed a grading screen. And the grading criteria initially did not fail everybody. It identified some that were failing and some that were, you know, a C and maybe some that were a B. And very quickly, it moved everybody up. So within a couple of months, we had most people were getting A's and B's. 
And what they did then is said, okay, we're now going to change the grading criteria. It's going to be tougher. Along the way, organizations were not given such a high bar that they couldn't show any progress. They were given very specific guidance on what does it take to get from a lower grade, maybe an F, to a higher grade, and they, they were able to achieve that. And so exactly as you say, Eric, they felt good about progress. They could see the progress. Then there was a reset on the grade, and everybody knew, okay, your grade's going to perhaps go down a little bit as we're expanding the focus, or maybe we're tightening up the criteria. So now if you have a misconfigured router or server, it counts more points, therefore giving you a lower grade. So we really need to accelerate the pace of getting them fixed. Giving people something that they can manage, they can focus on, they can achieve and feel good about it, and then through the use of automated tools, you sort of, I won't say you never have to go back and touch that. There is some maintenance of that, but you can move on to address other things. That, in my view, is sort of the essence of a strategy that I certainly am encouraging organizations to take because the alternative that we've used for a lot of years, which is we just give them a whole stack of things, it's impossible for them to do it all. You've got the IGs who can come in, and, and in fact, the whole IG review process is one that's not really provided a lot of value because the IGs come in without any criteria, and all they have to do is find potential problems. That's John Gilligan, the former Air Force CIO, who's the principal champion behind the Consensus Audit Guidelines. We'll pick up our conversation with Gilligan in our next podcast, when he expresses sympathy with agency IT security managers who feel their Inspector General audits may not be fair. Till then, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.